Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And welcome to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And continuing our Pride Month, we watched uh, the adventure, the ventures, no, the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Numa. One of the things these have in common is very long titles. Yeah, <laughs> to the point where I couldn't even get it out in one <laughs> one go. Um, yeah, we're probably gonna not call them by their full titles again for the whole rest of the episode. It'll probably just be like Priscilla and Tu Wong Fu. I yeah. don't know. Um. Yes, these are both road trip movies about drag queens, essentially. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what you could boil yeah. them down into. Like, they even have the same sort of character archetypes, archetypes which is interesting, mm. uh, both with Chi-Chi and Guy Pearce, who I can't remember his, his name. Uh, the, one of the interesting differences between the two films is that they, in... Uh, to Wong Fu, they are in drag for the whole movie. Like they get into drag yeah, in the opening true. sequence, and they're never out of drag. Whereas in uh, Priscilla, they, you know, um, one of the, one of them is a trans woman, but the other two are cis gay men who are drag queens, and they're we see them as the men they are, and as yeah. them as queens. So uh, his name is Adam, but her name is Felicia, yeah. and that's the same person. <laughs> um, huge casts yeah. like maybe not at the time because one's 94 and the one's 95 but yeah so i think the american one the the cast they got were people who were already big whereas for the australian one priscilla those are people who became big afterwards yeah so i think guy pierce had been in neighbors and home and away before yeah then. he was definitely a tv actor before yeah um, but very few films. I think Hugo Weaving had been in a bunch of things, but like arty in, in uh, sorry, art house and indie films is what yeah. I meant to say. <laughs> arty in house. Yeah, arty in house films. Um, Terence Stamp. I'm not sure what he had done before then. Um, yeah, it's interesting because going through uh, his like I rec- like all of these people are very recognizable. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to have such, like a, I don't know, I, I guess, not for me personally, but I know for a fact that, um, especially with uh, Priscilla, Queen of the, well, uh, the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, yeah. um, they were like really like touching childhood memory movies for people, which is like, mm. for me, that's not. But that's it's not my it's not my my bag, baby. Yeah, the one main thing before we get into proper spoiler territory, if people are listening to this and they haven't watched the movies, um, I think what both of them did, but maybe more more to Wong Fu, um, which was important at the time, so mid nineties, was that they both are queer films about queer characters who most for most of the time are just having a good time, who are living their yeah. best lives, who are accepted by the majority of people, or you know, or who find acceptance in people throughout the throughout the film. Um, and they're just happy. Whereas a lot of films around that time about um queer people would have been films about the AIDS crisis. Um, yeah, because the the one that always comes to mind for most people is um Philadelphia. Yeah, because that's yeah. mid nineties as yeah. well, isn't it? Um yeah, and there's a lot. Um, there was a lot of films around that time that that really focused on 
the AIDS epidemic and on, um, you know, and I actually saw when I was researching these films, I saw an article by someone um, talking about how, how, you know, important they were, but saying that um, up until that point, most mainstream queer films were um, being aimed at straight audiences and they wanted to give them someone sympathetic to care about. So they'd be like, oh, the poor... You know the poor gay man has AIDS. I feel sorry for him. Yeah. Whereas this was like, no, no, we're happy. We're living our life happily. We're proud of who we are, and we're just having a good time. And um, I think that was revolutionary for the time. Yeah. Um, I also like how the both the titles are just so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because in Priscilla Queen of the Desert, or Adventures of Priscilla Queen of the Desert, Priscilla is the name of the boss. Yeah, Priscilla's the boss. And in Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Numa, it's literally a portrait that's on the wall of a restaurant that yeah. they steal. And that's legitimate, by the way. That was the. That's where the writer got the title from, was he saw that actual picture on a wall in a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And, and he wrote this film. <laughs> As you do. Um, yeah, so literally that was where the name came from. Um, heading back to... Yeah, the, so it's... But yeah, you, you nailed it pretty successfully. Um, they are road trip movies, which obviously with every road trip... You know, every road movie. Mm-hmm. Um, my favourite, obviously, for being from Dust or Dawn. Um, the... Hey, it's not Quentin Tarantino, it's just got a minute. Um, Robert Rodriguez. The the adventure is the road. Right. And it's your characters interacting with people that, especially in Tu Wong Fu, where they come across a cop who's racist and sexist and a bigot and, you know, continues this investigation after the, them. The um, epitome of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. And then for um, for Priscilla Queen of the Desert, obviously they're they're in a situation where they're leaving Sydney, which is the safe, you know, accepting area. Same for uh, Priscilla, which is leaving New York. New York, yeah. Um, and going to rural. Yeah, they're going to a rural rural area, and I think the the in Tu Wong Fu, it's a little bit more comical. It's a little bit more lighthearted. Mm. Um, some s- situations aren't, but I'm saying, like, in general, the locals aren't. Wow. You can say that in both ways, but they're not... Yes. Yeah. It, uh, there's no point in time where the, the, the convertible Cadillac they rent doesn't get some horrible, bigoted shit spray paint on the side of it. Right. Um, it's interesting, yeah, because they both, in both films, they have to kind of stop over in a town after their vehicle breaks down. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because in Tu Wong Fu, most of the movie takes place in that town. Yeah. But in Tu Wong Fu, the only person in the town who's bigoted against them is the mechanic. Yeah. Whereas in... And he's also, like, a real huge piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, the only person in the town who isn't bigoted against them is a mechanic. (laughs) (laughs) Who ends up going on the road trip with them, and and there's a love story blossoms between him and Bernadette. 
who's the, uh, we the shall, trans We, we shall uh, talk about Bob and yeah. his uh, previous relationships uh, oh, later yeah. on. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you brought up um, Sydney as a safe place because they talk about it um, quite late into the movie. They talk about it and what they say is, I think it's Bernadette says it to Adam um, and what she says is like, you know, as much as we make fun of the town or the, you know, the city that we're from, you know, we, we mock it. It really was protecting us, yeah. you know, because we didn't have to face all this prejudice in there to, to this extent. Um, yeah, um, for a person who's not traveled that much out of New Zealand, but when I have been to Australia, even Australians sort of have a, have a, oh, you know, Sydney is the, the queer city. Right. Um, it's just like a, you know, that's the label that sort of, it's very, um, inclusive, but also it's, it's sort of like the, like New Zealand, for example, has, I think a worse attitude towards other cities, depending on where you are, Okay. you know, from everyone hates Auckland Auckland. and Auckland does hate the rest of New Zealand. Yeah. Um, you you go to Queenstown and it's just horribly racist, and yeah, I mean that's where I have, like where I personally have experienced um, anti-immigrant stuff yeah. was in Queenstown, yeah. where people heard my accent and were legitimately shit to me. Yeah. Um, which was a, an experience, um, a one which I'm sure people who are not white get on a much more regular basis. Yeah, I. I... It's not just it's not just immigrants they hate. Right. Um, sorry for any any listeners in Queenstown, uh, but your uh, your your city's got a rep, so mm. uh, you should you should probably look into that. Speaking about cities with a rep, the the town that the characters stop in in Priscilla Queen of Desert called Broken Heel, so yeah. that place where they meet Bob and yeah. where people are kind of shitty to them. Oh no, it's not. Sorry, no, that's that's the second place. No, they stop. Broken Heel is the first place they stop where the woman approaches them at the bar and tries to tell them that they don't serve their kind oh, yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah so that's the first place they stop the reason they included that town in the film is because it legitimately in real life had a reputation of being um very discriminatory towards queer people and since the movie came out uh it is now has an annual drag festival and a parade that passes by the uh the hotel that's in the film oh that's cute <laughs> yeah so they've, they've actually, you know, the film actually legitimately changed perspectives of a town that had a really negative reputation at the time. That's good. Mm-hmm. You hear that, Queenstown? Um, <laughs> so what we need to do is we need to make an, it... An immigrant and minority um, yeah. parade through Queenstown. Yeah, so year. we need to make a film about immigrants in Queenstown um, and change perceptions. Yeah, yeah. we'll get right on that. Um, so uh, our... Producer uh, Strider will uh, contact our favorite actors, uh, so we'll get. Um, well, I mean, it has to be Carl Urban because yeah, he's say, actually from New Zealand. Yeah, we'll get Carl Urban. We'll get Sam Neill. Sam Neill, hundred percent. Yeah, Reese Darby. Can we yeah, get him? Yeah, yeah. You know. um, just everybody who. Jermaine Clement. He just like you just walk down the street and find him. Yeah, yeah. If you just stand in one spot long enough in Wellington, you'll run into Jermaine Clement. So yeah. I'm sure we just put Strider on the corner and. Uh, He'll hand out the business cards. Yeah. Or his business cards. They just do this paw prints. Um, I think I think before getting too further on, um, into Wong Fu, 
both the two sort of main main um, I wouldn't say characters, but the, definitely the main drag queens. Uh, mm-hmm. One played by my boy Patrick Swayze, and the other one played by my other boy Wesley Snipes. Yeah, I was surprised when you said my boy followed by Patrick Swayze rather yeah, yeah. than Wesley Snipes. Um, so they they're in the. It's really weird because this the title is what is it? Drag Queen of the Year. And they're the final, they're in the group with Chi Chi, who's played by John... Um, Leguizamo. Yeah, thank you. Because um, you knew I wasn't going to pronounce that correctly the first time. <laughs> um, they're, they're finalists for Drag Queen of the Year. And then they both win it. And they both get the ability to go to the Drag Queen of America contest, yeah. which is held in New... Uh, not in New York. In Hollywood. In Hollywood. And because instead... Um, they find Chi Chi, who's played by John, and crying in the stairs because he wanted, uh, they wanted to win, and um, I think we can use she/her pronouns for the characters in Tu Wong Fu because they remain in drag for the whole film. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, the confusing ones will be yeah, Hugo yeah, Weaving yeah. and um, yeah, what's his name, Guy Pearce and, and Priscilla, because they switch depending on what scene it is. I'm just gonna go by the the actors' names um, just to <laughs> not put my foot in my own mouth. Um, so they take John, Chi Chi, <laughs> um, and so they instead they meet up with um, Robin Williams, which is really random. I was surprised by that cameo because um, I, yeah I haven't said I hadn't seen either of these films before. Yeah, I'd Which, seen both of them. Yeah, you'd seen both of them. Yeah, I'd seen both of them. Oh, well, you told me before we watched them, you said you'd only seen no because then Priscilla. when starting watching it, I was like, oh no, I have watched this movie. Yeah, yeah. so this is um, I mentioned it on our previous episode, but this was suggested by my mom, and that was her experience is that she keeps forgetting that there are they are two films. And so she had to, she like gaslighted herself into believing that there was only one film. With just six people in it. Yeah, she yeah. just couldn't remember, she thought it was Guy Pierce and Patrick Swayze in a film together. And I was like, no, no, Guy Pierce is in one of them, Patrick Swayze is in the other. Um, but they are, you know, I can understand because they came out quite close to each other and are quite similar. The other um, cameo in To Wong Fu that um, I recognised when the uh, credits started playing, but didn't remember because obviously they they weren't as large of a personality and such a force within the the community, which was RuPaul being in it. Right, yeah, no, I, I recognised RuPaul um, as soon as uh, he was on stage yeah. in, the, in the film. And it was interesting because when I looked at the trivia for it, all of the drag queens in both pageants, except for the main characters, are actual drag queens yeah. who were, like, popular drag queens at the time. Mm. The Confederate flag dress was a Yay. bit weird. I took a note of that. I don't even remember. Was, I don't even remember was that? Oh yeah, I just said Confederate flag dress has aged poorly. Yeah. So um, yes, they're they're on a road trip because they they were supposed to get one ticket to go to fly, and obviously two of them won, and then they're dragging Chi Chi along. So that's why they have to. And then Robin Williams gives them the option to go see his mate who dropped my name and they'll get you anything on the lot for like cheap so yeah. that's how they end up in the Cadillac convertible yeah because they couldn't afford so they were selling their flights to get and then and then trying to get other transport and yeah. um 
So Noxima, which is uh, Wesley Snipes' character. Like, I'm not going on a bus. Yeah, she refused to go on a bus, which I thought was funny because I knew we were watching yeah, the movie yeah, yeah, about yeah. the bus. Um, and the they train. couldn't afford the train. Yeah. So their option was get a car and drive. That's a lot. Because it's interesting. Um, I'm just going to go on a random tangent here. Um, America's rail network is really screwed up for right. like a first world country. They have the most bizarre rail network. It's because it was developed as they were spreading people across the country. You just yeah. got to watch Once Upon a Time in the West because that's all about the creation of the rail network. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, you look at countries like Japan who have insane public transport mm. and they have bullet trains that go 400 kilometers an hour and they're on maglifts and, like, it's all crazy awesome and you know, 45 minutes to get from one side of Tokyo to the other, like, where in reality, if you were doing that, through, like, they just don't have the network. And it's, I guess, it's interesting because, like, I see memes all the time, and it's like a cat and a cowboy hat and a pickup truck, and it's like, I've been driving for 10 hours and I'm still in Texas. It's like, <laughs> America is huge as yeah. a country. But they have no decent rail network. Like, their rail network was based on moving goods rather than people. Right. And because of that, like... But it's so weird because when I think of Western as, like, the genre, yeah. I think trains. Yeah, because Western Because they were the, the most advanced form of technology. And they exactly, just sort of yeah. did absolutely nothing with it after that. They were like, <laughs> cool, we're out of the Western era, we're into the, like build up mega cities in small places. How do you get there? Well, you fly because that's what you do in America. You yeah. fly everywhere. Well, my I know my cousin took a train from Chicago to LA, but it was, I think, an overnight train. I don't know how long it took. I looked into going, when I was living in Canada temporarily, I looked into getting a train from um, Toronto to Vancouver because um, I just thought it would be a cool trip to take, but it was ridiculously expensive and took like six days on the train that's insane <laughs> i was like i don't wanna because <laughs> um well, i grew up taking the train a lot like i know new zealand's a smaller country than most yeah. um but it was only an afternoon and it's, you're comfortable you can get up you can walk around like trains are like mm. so much better than buses mm -hmm. buses are like i agree with wesley snipes buses are horrible <laughs> i don't even like going on buses around wellington let alone like yeah, I've done, I mean, I've done, the longest I've been on a bus was a 14-hour trip, I think. Yeah, no, was. my butt would be <laughs> beyond asleep. My butt yeah. would be in a coma. Um, sorry, rant over, back to where we're going. So they're going from New York to Hollywood. Yeah. In a convertible. Uh, in Priscilla, um, obviously Priscilla being the bus. The bus. Um, they get it from a school. No, no, they, they, he bought it from Swedish tourists, he That's says. right. Yeah, so uh, I think Bernadette assumed it was borrowed from school because she was like, when do we have to go back to school? He's like, oh, no, we own it. I bought it from some Swedish tourists. That's right. And for $10,000. And it was he, it sounds like he extorted the money out of his mother by pretending that he was going on a road trip to try and get over his phase of being gay. Yeah. Um, oh, that's because it's, yeah, it's Guy, it's Guy Pierce who's a rich one this movie where it's I was going to say Hugo Weaving but it's um, Patrick Swayze Patrick Swayze who's from the the upstate the wealthy family yeah, yeah the upstate yeah. New Yorky 
you know, manners. Um, and the reason they're going is because uh, his ex-wife is managing... Not ex-wife, they're still married. Sorry. His wife is managing a uh, hotel in Alice Springs, which if you don't know anything about the geographical nature of Australia, that is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yep. Um, it was the closest town to, uh, um, I can't remember the name of it. Uluru? Uluru. Is that, that, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, yeah. Um, and I have actually have a friend that lives in, uh, Alice Springs. And one of the things he showed me when he came back to New Zealand, uh, because he's originally from New Zealand, was, um, a photo, which I quote all the time, um, which is a sign on the outskirts of town, and there's multiple, like, exits out of the town, Mm -hmm. with multiple signs that literally say, if you do not have multiple days of water and X amount of petrol and spare tyre and, like, a sat-nav, you will die if you go past this point, because there is nothing for, like, 14,000 kilometres. Yeah, I was thinking that when... 1,400, sorry. I was thinking about that when they set off through the desert, and I was like, oh... And I was like, well, they do have a bus, so hopefully they've filled it with enough stuff. But yeah. then it does break down in the middle of the desert. And I was like, oh, they all dead. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 in, in Priscilla, there is a fantastic side plot that is going on the entire time. It's the woman's The woman crossing. who's going to cross Australia on <laughs> foot. So, yeah. It's... And they keep passing her, and then they break down, and then the part that she, the, she passes them, and there's a moment where they try and speak to her, and, and she, she just, just keeps, keeps running. running, and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, because she sets off at the same time as them, and the, the funny thing is, oh, you know, the joke is that uh, she's got, like, three people there cheering her on, and they've got, like... This huge crowd. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. All, all of the their, you know, drag queen friends or whatever, all cheering them on as they take off on the bus. Um, and, you know, and, then, and yet she's just, like, keeps going, whereas they have planned terribly. So we've got the why and the how. Um, the characters are interesting. Mm. I, I think Patrick Swayze and... Um, Wesley Snipes are the two more experienced drag queens. Yeah. Uh, John is playing the, the what do they call her, um, drag princess? Yeah, well, the, they keep referring to her as a boy in a dress. Yeah. Because they, they're saying, you know, you, you haven't, you're not a drag queen yet because... You haven't gone do... through the four steps of becoming a drag queen. Yeah. Which, which I think they only explained two of them, which I think... I didn't... No, they definitely got to step three, but I don't remember what step four is. Yeah. It's on... I think it's on the INDB trivia, so I'll find it later on. But, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting, because the first time that they interact with Chi-Chi, she's on the stairs just, like, crying after yeah. they've won the competition, and Patrick Swayze literally looks, looks, looks at her and is like... Um, why is that a Latin boy crying? Can you find out why that a Latin boy is crying? <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Um, I think, yeah, they both films deal with discrimination a lot. Yeah, well, as you do, and that's, I yeah. think, why they're such... Well, especially Priscilla is such a cornerstone for, yeah. for people who are struggling and um, obviously dealing with their own forms of uh, discrimination. It's interesting. I'm actually going to do a bit now that we normally do later on in the film or in the episode. I just want to talk about um, box office numbers because I have never heard of Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. I literally had never heard of it until, literally until my mom suggested it for this. Uh, Priscilla, I've heard of. I've heard of it a bunch. I know there's like a whole musical based on it. 
Um, you know, I hear people talking about it a lot. I've just never gotten around to watching it. Um, and yet, Tu Wong Fu did better in the box office. Interesting. Uh, I don't have the budget for Tu Wong Fu. So the budget for Priscilla was $2 million. Which is pretty reasonable for 94. Yeah, I would imagine Tu Wong Fu's budget would be higher because... A, it's an American film rather than an Australian film, and B, the actors that they got in it were at their prime or, like, were pretty big names at that time. Like, Patrick Swayze in 1994, you, yeah. you're paying a pretty penny. You know what I mean? Um, John Leguizamo, obviously fresh off Super Mario Brothers. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, we don't. No. <laughs> no. End of podcast. Um, no. no but, so I, I don't know what the budget was, but I imagine it was probably slightly more, but maybe not a huge amount more. But uh, apparently internationally, or in, you know, f- full international box office, Priscilla only got $12.4 million, whereas Tu Wong Fu made $47.7 million, which is quite a uh, disparity. Um, but I just find it really interesting that, as you said, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is like such a cornerstone yeah. um, for queer people and marginalized people and, you know, even non-queer people like a lot of people love that film um and it has you know it's had such success in later years and it's become you know a real classic and it's got there's a whole musical based on it that's very popular um and yet it was the of the two films it was the one that was closer to being a flop it was you know obviously not a flop because it was only two million dollar budget so it made six times its budget yeah but um, it's interesting though because Despite the fact that there are critics and there are people who take what critics say as as gospel, mm-hmm. um, reality is movies aren't like there are movies that win Oscars and then after that year they're completely forgotten about. Yeah. no one remembers them, and then you're like, you go back and you're like, oh, this movie came out this 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 year, it must have won the Oscar, and you look and it got passed by a movie you've never even heard of, yeah, and you're yeah. like. What the hell I is mean, going on? Who's even seen Green Book? No. <laughs> I have. I saw it in cinema. I, I haven't. So I don't even know what it's about. Um, <laughs> and you look at... You look at... Um, and I think... I think the problem with... I know you, I love you. I, I, I love you. And I, I know you love the Oscars. But there are certain times where they make decisions that are just very weird. Oh, yeah. No, I... The Academy is screwed up. And it's a bunch of old, old white men. And half... That's not true. One of them's a nun. Okay, it's largely a bunch of white men, but half the problem, half the problem with the Oscars is that the people voting for the films aren't watching all the films. Yeah. So there's a people have called for this, and I think it would be a great idea. But there should be a way for you to like, for the Academy members to like check off the movies they've seen, and then they'll only be present. They'll only be given options to vote in categories where they've seen all the nominees. Yeah. Because that's what they should do. Because I think, um, obviously I have a lot of friends who are animators, and I think animation is one of the categories where they just don't watch them. They just yeah, they take just all pick, their kids' just, films. They just pick the Disney, the Disney, the Pixar movie that came out the year. Yeah, or they or they say like, oh, I've heard kids talking about this one a bunch. Yeah. Let's let's vote for Encanto and forget that some fantastic films came out. You know, yeah. not to throw shade on Encanto. But yeah, I enjoyed that movie. Um, the big one that sticks out of my mind, because uh, there was a lot of controversy about it, was, was um, which, don't get me wrong, this movie is, it deserved to win. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm not American, and I know for a fact that my family were never involved in slavery, either participating right. or being victims of. But when it turns out half the Academy members that voted for 12 Years a Slave didn't even watch the movie, mm. you're like, oh, why? Yeah. Like, that is a cornerstone of, like, this is, like, this is your history. Yeah. Face it. Yeah. Like, m- like understand how evil this is and then realize that you done goofed mm-hmm. and you have to now go and fix it now because there are people still suffering from prejudices dating back to, you know, mm. the, the formation of their own country. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's interesting because then even now no one talks about their movie and it's interesting because you have movies that do well after they're outside of the theater yeah, and they become cult movies and sometimes they get picked up by the wrong crowd and the people who like the movies don't understand them. But it does still have a cultural impact, and I think movies that have cultural impact are far more significant than maybe movies that make lots of money. Yep. Side note, Avatar made lots of money, but the whole thing about James Cameron is he's pushing technology. Mm -hmm. He's pushing technology. You might not like his movies, but he's doing something insane to make the next step for movie production. And Ava- Even if that means drowning his cast members. Yes, including if that means some cast members have to drown for the, the to just push that envelope just a little bit. He's raising the bar, all right? He's raising the bar for everybody else. Without Avatar, we wouldn't have had that in top, what was it, three years of every single friggin' movie that came out was also in 3D to mm. the point where they were making movies that weren't filmed in 3D, 3D. Yeah, but also um, without Avatar, New Zealand's film industry wouldn't be what it is because, um, you know, Weta stepped up to the plate with that because they had done a bunch of work with the Lord of the Rings films yeah. and, and, you know, James Cameron was like, hey, I want you guys on this. Um, and it really, you know, that's a, a massive stepping stone to pushing you know, New Zealand filmmakers out into all sorts of areas, you yeah. know. And the VFX because, you know, what a VFX have, have worked on Marvel films and, you know, all sorts of films nowadays. Yeah, it's interesting watching, um, going through the credits of, of Marvel movies and it's like, oh, look, Weta was there. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, what? Doesn't Disney have their own? No, <laughs> they still rely on old New Zealand for fixing things. And it's, it's even that with, um, there was some controversy around people that were led into the country, even though New Zealand was locked down before other countries were during COVID the first Pe- people, time around. <coughs> James Cameron again. Yeah. <laughs> people that were, work, you know, but it is, you know, the government did borrow like $10 billion from us taxpayers. And then, you know, you've got to get some of that cheese back. You know, you've got to get the cheese back somehow. And if you're going to get... Some rich film production getting into the country to just keep the keep the ball rolling. Mm. You kind of have to do it, and you know we all knew where they were and the QT hotel, um, to the point where my mate who was working at the local supermarket was warned by the police when they'd come to visit to do their shopping because like it was a big deal. Mm. Um, 
we're way off the, the mark here, but that's yep. fine. Like, my point still stands. Movies that last forever based on the fact they're actually culturally significant are yep. more important than movies that make lots of money. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ergo for these two movies. One of them did better. You'd never even heard of it. I'd watch yep. both of them because the reason I remember that I watched both of them is because I remembered the scene in the beginning where um, they're getting putting their makeup on. Right. Within. And I was like, wait, I have seen this movie. <laughs> but did you also amalgamate it into your memory of Priscilla? No. No. Because no. my memories of Priscilla um, previously did this were... Something I will point out as being a little bit sub-reality. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Are they stopping on the side of the road to set up these massive sequences that no one can see? With them singing in these like massive dresses on the roof. On the roof, yeah, yeah. Like, no one's around. They, they have so many. That's the the, the uh, suspension of disbelief for me in Priscilla Queen of the Desert is um, how often they have costume changes. Oh like, my god, even in the final sequence, they have so <laughs> many costume changes, like, without missing a beat of the music. Yeah, and yeah, like, I was like, dude, you're singing the same, it's, that's not, it's not the final sequence, I think that one is, they stay in the oh, same yeah, costume, yeah, sorry, but it's sorry. when they're, when they're in all the yeah. springs, they sing one song, but they change costume, like, five times, seamlessly, and their makeup changes and everything, yeah. and it's like, no, you, you, it's like, why not do a medley of different songs if you're going to do that, because this makes no sense, but there's a bit where they're out in the middle of the desert at a campfire with a bunch of guys, and... I did like that, so... Oh, I like the scene, but what I'm saying is that they're sitting there in their regular outfits, and then they're like, okay, let's put on a show, and then they just Instant. are suddenly are in drag. Yeah, it was one, the guy who rescued them. <laughs> well, he isn't, and then he is halfway through the song. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there is a little bit of sub-reality going yeah. on. Um, well, but also in uh, Tu Wong Fu, there's a scene where they like are decorating the room by just like throwing, throwing things, stuff and it like... magically appears. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Obviously, what we've learned from these films is that drag queens have magic. have magic powers, <laughs> but only to do with costuming and design. This does not spark joy. If any um, drag queens are listening to us, let us know if this is true, if you do have magic costume powers. Yeah. The, the, the bigotry that they both face, I think, um, for Tu Wong Fu, it's more along the lines of, I don't know, it's just... Especially when they're in the they're in the, the rural areas, I think it's just people look at them as outsiders and they look at them as such this like weird, unusual, they can't quantify, can't put in a box for their like little worlds. Where in Priscilla it's more of a like um, LGBT community, especially gay men were blamed for the AIDS epidemic. <clears throat> yes. Um, and there were some cases um, but that was also media hype. That you know, that um, I remember listening to a series um, Radio Lab did years ago, um, called Patient Zero, and they were going through different patient zeros, and it was the Canadian air host who was blamed for the AIDS epidemic in America, and then it turns out that, like, that was all, you know, the evidence was not as accurate, and they basically blamed this person. Oh, it's all this person's fault. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, they they were the typhoid Mary of AIDS in America, but in reality it wasn't. Where typhoid Mary in reality was told multiple times, stop 
making stop being housekeepers for people we're gonna put you in jail yeah. you have typhoid <laughs> stop giving it to people and she's just like no. oh, i'm gonna change my name to mary joe and go work for these people um and i think i think that's like i love the sequence um where they where they arrive in the town and the the cadillac's broken down and they're told that they have to stay and then they just start interacting with the locals mm-hmm. and there's that the beauty salon and then they find all the 60s dresses and then yeah. they all come out and they're all like looking like dolled up to the nines it's hilarious because yeah, they're just yeah. like because you see what they're wearing before like it was like a breath of fresh air but the fresh air being just like because well, i think was it patrick swayze's character says it um, what makes a drag queen is just a, a person that has too much fashion sense for one gender. Right. <laughs> and that's how you become a drag queen, is you have so much fashion sense that it explodes out of you. <laughs> um, and I think that was, like, the influence they had, you know. Mm. Um, Wesley Snipes' influence was a little bit more hands-on, joke intended. Right. Where someone's giving... Uh, the the local the local boys the good old boys the, the lads good, the, yeah well the, the good old boys the the roughnecks as uh, Chi Chi puts it start giving them shit and walks over and just grabs them by the nuts and is just like no this is how you speak to ladies and it's just <laughs> like oh, yes ma'am like yeah. and that's you know that's sort of the different angles of the characters coming through um. Chi Chi's angle is more of like on a romantic side, but in a flirtatious, like dangerous flirtatious way that puts her, puts themselves in a in a in a bad situation, mm. um, which does happen. Especially Patrick Swayze getting grabbed by the cop earlier on, and that's why the cop gets knocked out. Yeah, it's the the cop stuff is interesting because it's like a whole subplot of just real toxic masculinity. Because yeah. first of all. Well, actually, the cop is first. First of all, the cop is racist yeah. because he thinks they're all women, and he uh, takes um, Patrick Swayze's character. What's her name? Vita. Yeah. He takes Vita out of the car, and it's like you know, it's not normal for you know white women to be traveling with. Uh, not, race, racist. Yeah, racistler, racistler. Yeah. Essentially, a black person and a Hispanic person. Yeah. Uh, but he don't use those words. No. Uh, he uses incredibly racial slurs. Um. But then he tries to rape her. Yeah. Um, discovers that she's got a penis. That's, that that's one my favorite quote from that movie is, um, get your hand off my dick, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, by the way, uh, apparently the reaction of Chris Penn in that scene is legitimate because what Patrick Swayze did was before they filmed it, he put a corn cob on, on, into his uh, his underwear so that when he went to feel it he was like what the hell um, <laughs> which I think is hilarious but um Country make, girls make do um, <laughs> yeah so but then uh, like later on you get the cop again but he's uh, explaining he, it to his colleagues yeah, and they're just and taking they're, the absolute piss out of him yeah but they're laughing at him because he was attacked by girls yeah so it's it's again that toxic masculinity shit that they're being like ha you know he got beat up by a girl, you're weak, and so, you know, because he, you know, it's threatening to his masculinity. Um, they don't, obviously don't give a shit that he attempted to rape the woman. Yeah. That's not a concern. It's that he, it's just funny that he got attacked or he got beat up by a girl. Um, and then he starts calling them perverts because um, they, they, what I think what he said is, you'll find something down there that's not right. 
So that's incredibly transphobic <laughs> as well as just like shitty to the, the drag queens. Also, he shouldn't be finding out what's down there on anyone. There's no reason for that. But he calls them perverts because of it. And then um, what he says is that he's going to bring back three corpses so they can check up their skirts. Yeah. Which is like, un- like ridiculous, ridiculously transphobic, homophobic, yeah, but misogynistic. Let's, let's take a pause on that. No offense to the good police officers that are, at, are in the States yep. right now, but there are some shitty cops and yep. it's never going to change because their entire system is broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, their unions are way too strong and it's only social media. Um, um, Childish Gambino actually makes a point of it um, in This Is America. Right. Because it was a catchy song and everyone liked the song. But the actual meaning of the song is literally... Young black people use your phones to protect each other mm-hmm. and record your interactions with cops because, like, I have seen it in so many movies because it's just not. I, I'm white. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have this. This I had small town. You know, cops are bored. They pick on young kids, but it was never a racist thing. It was just because they're bored, and I know this for a fact because that's what cops do when they're bored. They just find kids walking down the street. Legitimately, I had a reason. I was going to mobile to get a pie. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I had been drinking. Um, but, you know, it was never the racist part of it. Mm. And I think even when I was younger, I did notice the, the nice cops were always um, younger um, moldy descent people right. where the, the cops that would give you shit are the older white men with the buzz cuts and the moustaches that they've had for 40 years, you know, like they're the wa- guys who think they're in the military yeah, yeah, yeah and I think there's just there's New Zealand policing has changed quite a lot because, mm-hmm. you know, the, we had more of a public face, I think and, the, you know um, despite all the Police 10 memes um you know, policing in New Zealand is pretty good. I wouldn't say it's great. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying it's pretty good in comparison to other countries. Um, For our, our non-Kiwi listeners, um, we think you should check out a documentary called Wellington Paranormal. Yeah, Wellington Paranormal <laughs> is a perfect example of um, New Zealand policing. Um, no, because it's like Police 107 was a meme. Right. It is a meme. It was like, you know... Um, I always say it, I've always quoted it in the voice, it'd be like, tonight in South Auckland, I mean Police 107, because <laughs> it was just exclusively South Auckland, because mm-hmm. that's where they would have got the most, you know, alarming footage. Right. It's the same where, like, everyone thinks Florida's crazy. That's because their police records aren't sealed. Mm-hmm. So you can find out that some dude tried to have sex with an alligator and got his leg bitten off, like... That's and, and then tried to, you know, walk through the McDonald's walk drive through or something, you know, like that does sound like Florida man. Whatever. Like but yeah, you do have like this toxic culture of cops mm-hmm. and you know, they portrayed it in the movie really well. Yes. Because it's not just the fact that the cops are racist and a bigot and a uh, attempted rapist, it's also the fact that even his own support structure doesn't help him. Yeah. Because it's just so broken from all aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important 
Yeah, I thought the least believable part was that when he comes to the town and the women kind of stand up for the, the drag queens, uh, there he just turns and leaves. Yeah, there, there wasn't... He wouldn't have turned and left. He yeah, would have started shooting, shooting people. people. Um, the, the whole, um, no, I'm Spartacus moment was really brilliant. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, um, it's a, when, when a, a Hollywood was, was obsessed with ancient Rome... And it was a story about Spartacus, and then when the the guards turn up to arrest Spartacus, you know, the person who's not Spartacus stands up and says, "I am Spartacus," and then the other person stands up, yeah. you know, and the, the tropes carry on forever. Yeah, and in Too Wong Fu, it's um, they're they're looking for the drag queens, and um, a all woman, the ladies stand yeah. up and be like, "I'm a drag queen." No, I'm a drag. Yeah, queen. I'm the drag queen. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, the I think. I think the sequences in Priscilla are, are slightly more fun. Um, let's talk about Bob, because Bob is a fantastic character. So mm. he's the opposite of Tu Wong Fu. He's the one nice mechanic. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he married the wrong woman. Yeah, so it's... Imp- I don't think quite stated, but you, they show us flashbacks a little bit, and it's heavily implied. So basically... What happened is he was drunk and this woman got him to marry her because she thought he lived in Sydney and she wanted him to take her to Sydney. Yeah. But instead he lives in this tiny town in the middle of the desert and he takes her there and she's like a showgirl and she shoots or squeezes like ping, ping pong balls yes, out of her ass. Is it? Or out of a different yeah. part of her body? Yeah. It's ambiguous which part, but... She puts them in somewhere, and then they come out. Yeah, it's a ping pong show. Um, <laughs> they are very famous in Thailand. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the, that's the whole thing. I'm, I'm assuming he was on holiday in Thailand because a lot of Australians go there because their dollar is so strong. Uh, and basically, okay. even like a working Joe, like a mechanic who saves up for a couple of years, would go live over there like a king for a month. Right. Um uh, just because of the economic differences. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that would probably be the sequence. And it's just him trying to control this woman who's clearly... I wouldn't say out of control, but she's obviously got something. Because she's just... She's very aggressive. Yeah. Um, you know, banned from the barn, all out of drink. And then as soon as they're out of the house, she, like, she like breaks into a secret cupboard and there's rained ping pong balls on her. And she's just like... Like yes, my baby. Like deranged almost. Yeah. yeah, and then arrives in the in the thing in full lingerie with like her her stage outfit on, which mm. has a zip for easy access to her ping pong launcher. Um, <laughs> yep, the ping pong launcher. Um, and you know, in comparison to these drag queens have gotten stage and danced for this, like, you know, this local town. Yeah. The only person who cares, like, the only person who's enjoying it is Bob. Yeah, because, but it's, he's stated that he's, like, gone and, gone to shows specifically yeah. in other yeah. places. So, he, you know, he's a little bit more cultured, I think, yeah. is the implication. It, it's, it's, it's interesting because, um, myself as well, I, I, I haven't seen a ping pong show. I'm just saying that not for just clarity. I'm just saying to, to you, Lisa, I'm also saying in general, okay. not hiding something from uh, the background okay. there. Um, I have seen uh, the Australasia's winning of that year uh, pole dancer perform. Okay. And she was insane. 
You have to be really strong to do pole dancing. Really strong and <laughs> fearless because the pole that I saw at the the, the bar, which is now gone, because every bar in Wellington I ever liked closed. Um, maybe it's something to do with me. No, it's just because they're just not like they're not on the main drag. Yep. Um, the when you see someone climb up a pole and they're hanging on to the pole with just their inner thigh and they've got no arms and no legs touching the pole yep. and then they slide all the way from the top of it and I'm talking like this is bigger than like a standard house like roof size. Right, this yeah. was like a full stage level roof mm-hmm. all the way from the top to the bottom and stop mm, centimeters off the ground Yeah, and the entire crowd went bananas because it was like so insane yeah and just the the work that she was doing and performing is insane and then you see what i'm going to say is like i went to a friend's um what do you call it uh bachelor party and terrible (laughs) terrible like you know the pole dancers that you see at a a gentleman's club is a nice way to put it what do one day week of training of like how to like use a pole as if it was a lover or some shit like just absolute garbage mm. absolute garbage oh they're trying to achieve different things i guess um because one is just trying to be visually appealing or like sexually appealing maybe to to the people at the club whereas the other is trying to do is doing an actual sport yeah but there, there's <laughs> yeah that's true but there's also these the same element in professional pole dancing than there is in that it's just that's like the amateur level yeah that's there there for the the money rather than the the actual sport yeah yeah um i i saw pole dancers in dublin um i went with a with some of my classmates for life drawing um because we would draw people in movements we went to like a ballet studio and a, and people doing pole dancing and um just the sheer strength involved in it is terrifying. <laughs> like... I also know a guy who did pole dancing. Yeah. And, like, he was getting compliments from the ladies by, you know, because they were jealous of some of the things he was being able to pick up earlier. And he's just like, it's just, it's just you know, it's just biology. It's yeah, not, it's, it's just not that fear. I don't, have to, I don't have to use as much time to build up my lower body strength. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but back to Bob, because he's the most important character. Bob has a horrible wife. Yeah. From his point of view, because he, you know... Um, yeah, but he's... He, he's been shanghai Yeah, it's interesting, because at the big When you meet them first, you can tell that, like, he's, like, shutting her down a lot. And I yeah. was like, oh, he's being shitty to her, like, the mechanic is shitty to his wife in Too Long Fu. Yeah, there's a big difference. And then yeah. it's like, oh, okay, she totally manipulated him into this marriage yeah. and yet he is still trying to uphold it and be yeah. you know the polite yeah. yeah um so it's a it's a very different situation whereas in Tuong Fu the mechanic is physically um, and emotionally abusive yeah he's a domestic domestic um I was gonna say he's a domestic violence that doesn't yeah make he any is sense. a domestic violence yeah that doesn't make any sense but yeah no the domestic violence in Tuong Fu is a lot more um real yeah like as unrealistic rather than yeah I do like there is a there is a moment where um, Vita is conversing with Carol Ann who's Carol Ann who is the uh, wife of the mechanic in that and um she, you know she's got bruises in her face she says oh she, I opened the cupboard and some boxes fell down and then when Vita is leaving she's like well you know good good cover with that I used to say similar things when my 
father would, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, mm, okay, so, you know, yeah, the history of abuse there. Yeah, you can definitely tell the, uh, you could smell their own kind of material of people being abused by their family. Hmm. Um, but Bob, anyway. Yeah, no, sorry, I just want to touch on something. Um, Vita is trying to help in that sequence. Yeah. Comes in to cook. Uh, she's um, cooking and it's just that, that whole sequence of like, oh, he doesn't like spice in it. She, Vita puts paprika in there. Yeah. Like, you, I, I you, can can't, handle... you can't handle any spicy water. Yeah, but I, I put, put two, I put like... I put paprika on things. I, I put a tiny amount of white pepper in our food. And I you, can't you, eat you, it. You, you, can, you like, my lips are tingling and I'm like... <laughs> This yeah, isn't even hot. You're, you're like, you're like, it's fine. I'll put like, I'll put like a teaspoon of white pepper in this whole thing, or like one little shake, and yeah. then I'll be like, you put white pepper in this, but paprika I can eat no problem. Yeah, it's just it's quite funny. He's like, it's too spicy. It's like, wow, white people stop. White it's people. not. <laughs> white I, people stop. I, you're a white people. Yeah, um, but I eat food that would like. Oh, um, I don't think it's because I'm white. I think it's. A combination of the fact that I do have it like a capsaicin allergy, and then also, um, I just was a very picky eater growing up, so I would have like very bland foods by choice because I wouldn't didn't like eating new things. So probably I'm just very much not used to stuff like that. So my body's like, what is this? Reject this. Versus me, who would eat an entire jar of like jalapenos. Yeah, like, you just like week. drink a bottle of hot sauce. Yeah. When you, like, bought me that, like, what was it, Carolina Reap? No, it wasn't. It was, um, you bought some homemade hot sauce for me recently. Yeah. And it was, like... Like, Alana made it, I think. Yeah. You I just, remember. You, you <laughs> what just, was like, it? Uh, there was, like, a warning label on it, and I tried it, and I was, like, eh, eh, that's a nice warning, that's a white people warning label. <laughs> I'll eat jalapenos for, like, as, like, a side dish. Mm. Where other people are like, I put one on there and it's oh, too spicy. That's, that's good to know. That means if we go to Vegas together and we go to Nacho Daddy, we can get the vegan loaded fries and, or vegan loaded nachos. And I could say, can you put the jalapenos on the side? And then you'll just have like a plate full of jalapenos. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, and, and then I don't have to worry about the jalapenos touching my nachos. Yeah, because it's like those, the, sorry, we're on a run here, folks, but that's fine because <laughs> that's what you're here for. Um... Those ramen that I have, the gourmet spicy, the Korean ones, mm-hmm. the reason I like them when I eat two packets of them is because my ears ring. Right. Like, I physically sweat. Yeah. Because, um, random fact for you folks sitting at home, um, the Sherpas that go up Mount Everest, uh, they obviously they don't have advanced uh, clothing like the people that used to go there in the time of uh, the famous uh, Sir Edmund Hillary did. So what they did was they ate incredibly spicy food. Mm-hmm. And that obviously re- uh, re- uh, re- your body releases endorphins, so your muscles heal faster, and also you are warm. And that's how they did it. So here was, you know, these professional mountain climbers wearing these fancy state-of-the-art clothing that was, you know, supposed to protect you from the weather. And they'd be just Sherpas in woolen stuff eating chili mm. and did the exact same thing so there's a fact for you they're warming up from the inside out like yeah 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 right. um what so were we about the movies <laughs> so that's why i've been eating being spicy ramen lately because it's been cold um bob yeah back to bob sorry bob is the best character 
that's not the main three. Okay. Like, I like his wife. I like some of the other characters I come across, but Bob mm-hmm. is just fantastic because you're right. He's inclusive. He does all those... Um, He's like there with them and helping them through with their uh, the petrol tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, they ran the petrol tank empty, and because it was a lot of sediment, it clogged their lines, which is true. You should never run your gas tank empty in a car that old or any vehicle that old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Bob is the best. Yeah, it's interesting because Bob has has a character arc as well because yes. at the start, um, he refers to them as boys, and then he's like, "Oh, sorry, uh, and and lady, whatever," and by the end of it, he's like. Fully, one hundred percent accepting of Bernadette, and they are starting. You know, or it's implied that they're starting a relationship together. They decide to stay in Alice Springs together, um, which is sweet. Um, I guess the other main thing in Priscilla to touch on is um, Tick's son. Yeah, Tick's son. So Tick, so uh, Hugo Weaving's character Anthony, um, I've forgotten what his drag name is, but they just call him Tick most of the time. Yeah. Um. He has a whole lot of... It's basically a story of internalized homophobia is how I would describe it. Um, which a lot of queer people will have experienced. You know, that they um, have faced so much discrimination in their life that they expect it. Yeah. Um, so there's this whole thing when they get to Alice Springs that, you know, he meets his son who we haven't seen in years... Um, and gets he, his wife to promise that he won't be there for the show. Yeah, so his wife tells him the son will be in bed when they do the show, and then he does the show and sees his son there and just panics and then just faints. Passes out, yeah. Um, and then he gets really upset about it. But like the whole throughout the whole movie, you can see him being anxious, and then eventually he re- he reveals he has a son. Blah, blah blah. And there's questions of does he know what you do for a living, whatever. Um, and. He is so scared that his son is going to not accept him. Yeah. Or that seeing him in drag will make his son reject him or make his son, um, you know, feel like there's a problem or whatever. Um, and um, you find out that through... So Tick doesn't say it, but it's, I think... I can't remember if Bernadette or Adam asks the son... Does he know that his dad is gay or something like that? And, and but the son says, uh, no, the, the son asks, Does my dad have a boyfriend? And they're like, No, does your mom have a boyfriend? And he's like, No, but she's had girlfriends before. And it's like, Okay, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because obviously the, the mother is, you know, at the very least, is accepting of um, take being a gay man and uh, you know, is you know definitely accepting of him being a drag queen because she's asked him to come and, you know, be a drag queen at her casino. Um, and yet, and, 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 you know, we find out then that she's queer herself, and yet he's, he, it's never occurred to him that she would have raised the son to be accepting. Yeah. You know, he's just, his whole time, you know, he's just picturing his son as the same as children of people who are discriminatory so he thinks his son is going to discriminate against him or is going to be upset by him or is you know whatever um but obviously the son has been raised you know knowing properly yeah he's been but he's been raised well he's been raised by a queer woman knowing that his father is queer and knowing that these things are normal you know it's never so for him this is just how life is you know and that's how it should be 
Um, and But you see Tick is still anxious about it the whole time, and then it's right near the end. Um, the son asks him directly, because uh, they're gonna he's gonna take him back to Sydney with them for a couple of weeks or whatever while the while the wife goes on holiday. And the son asks him directly, Will you have a boyfriend when you go back there? And he's like, I don't know, I might and he said, That'll be good. Yeah. And suddenly he you know, this weight is lifted off him that he's but like there was never any evidence that the son was going to be negative. Yeah. Um, it's entirely in his own mind he's built up this idea that based on his experiences that, you know, being gay is bad, being a dry queen is bad, and my son is going to see it that way. Yeah. Um, and it's it's never occurred to him that it won't be a problem. And I think it's it's really speaks to how much people internalize that shit. Um, so I thought it was really, really good. Just, it was just really, really good representation. I thought that that's, you know, because that is how a lot of people feel. Yeah. The, um, no one's born... A bigot, no one's born a racist. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I think the biggest standpoint, um, the one where it's the most obvious, well, maybe it's not the most obvious. The one that was most obvious to me is um, American History X. Right. Because, you know, you have uh, Edward Norton's character talking about how he, how much he likes his um, African-American teacher mm-hmm. and then his father <clears throat> saying racist-ass rhetoric to him and his father gets killed by the same people he spoke ill of and then yeah. automatically the son is like, oh, well, it's all true then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then obviously he passes it on to the younger brother. Yeah. Um, which, that's a very tragic film. I like that movie. Yeah, um, it's good, but it's definitely very tragic. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, yeah, you know, it is that that very much, you know, people are influenced by their surroundings. And when you're raised by... Bigots. Yeah, I was going to say, when you're raised by, you know, an accepting queer woman... The opposite, the (laughs) the right way to be raised. Yeah, but I mean, when you're raised and those are the kind of people that you're around and it's, you know, that is normal to you and you you will grow up to be more accepting. Yeah. Um, I think everyone, everyone should be raised with knowing... Every minorities. <laughs> everybody out there, your dad should be gay and your mum should be a lesbian <laughs> and then you'll be perfect. Um, no, I mean, it doesn't have to be that. But, like, you know, you shouldn't be... I mean, I get I get it that minorities are called minorities for a reason and that, you know, um, there will be, obviously, places where you're less likely to come across minorities as you age. Um... And maybe you can't be exposed to people in person from a young age. But I think where possible, I think it, it generally has a positive impact on children to be raised in, you know, or around diverse people. Yeah, I think diversity is very important yeah. for, um, for uh, I think that's why we have a lot of problems uh, going back to ragging on Auckland. Um because that's just, it's very clustered. Mm. People have their own communities and they don't associate with each other. And that was like even a big problem when I was living there. And that was like, you know, everyone was terrible. Um, uh, Winston Peters, who's a very famous politician in New Zealand, was outed because he used to say racist shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Did win him the grey vote, not going to, grey power vote, not going to lie to you. Um, grey power being old people. Um, and consistently because they love him. Um, 
but he was warning the New Zealand public if um, if we don't have strong immigration laws when it comes to because uh, we were getting an influx of Asian people because like I remember it there were like none and they were everywhere right. like I'm not saying it's a bad thing I love Asian people <laughs> the Asians are everywhere <laughs> but it, it, there, there was a point in New Zealand where there were none and yeah. then they were everywhere and it all came in like one giant wave crashing and obviously it was quite obvious because I was in Auckland at the time where mm-hmm. it was on the radio you know there was little you know eclipses of Winston Peters saying what he was saying and I think the issue is, is that I have no problem with people immigrating to other countries mm-hmm. as long as they actually immigrate to another country and they're not just taking them and inserting themselves into another country and then just making, like, we don't have, like, a, a little island in somewhere. We don't have, a, you know, the bits. But it's also, you know, as, as an immigrant, it's a very natural thing. Um, because when I was coming over here first, I had multiple people from Ireland um, say to me, oh, I know so-and-so from here who's out there, get in touch with them, or, or uh, you know, this person lives in New Zealand now, and there's, don't worry, you can find local GAA folks, which is uh, Gaelic Athletic Association, and that's where you'll find the Irish people, and you can hang out. And I experienced it in Canada, that, like, I started, I did an internship in Canada, in you know, like, a financial place, um, which is not remotely what I do now, but uh, <laughs> I was working um, just doing, like, Adobe um, forms and things, and then they moved me to a team because they said... Uh, there was, like, five of us doing these forms, and it was ridiculously boring, but they had a team that needed an extra person, and they said, oh, you'll fit in, half of them are Irish. <laughs> and when I went there, they were all like, oh, yeah, we hang out with the Irish community. So there are... Irish communities around, you know, and it's, it, it is very natural, I think, for a lot of people, especially extroverted people or people who, who feel a need for a sense of community when they move to a new country to look for people like them and to build a community or join a community. Um, now, I mean, I do it through the Time Bank, which are not, you know, they're actually quite diverse. They're people from all over the place are, are part of that, but it's, it's that same feeling of having, like, community um, I just didn't look for Irish people to join a community, um, but very much it is a thing, and I know my, my cousin did a visa in Chicago, and the place that she stayed was in the area of Chicago where all the Irish people live, you know, if, if I, people were shocked when I lived in Australia that I lived in Brisbane, because Melbourne is where all the Irish people are, you know, um, it's, it's a legitimate thing. And maybe to you, it's more visible when it's an influx of, um, Southeast Asian people, because they look different to you. Whereas you might not know looking at a group of Irish people that they're a group of Irish people. I'll just look for the green and the, no. no, Uh, Am I wearing green? No. Um, yeah, but I think it is. I think it is very, very natural because I find that even like in in Dublin, that like my area that I grew up in in Dublin, um, when I was growing up, very much white because it, you know all of Ireland was very much white at that time. Um, Don't get a lot of sun, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, it still is. I mean, it is. It is a country where the indigenous people are white people, uh, which you can't say for most of the world. Most of the world, the white people are the people who moved there and colonized. Um, you said co- conquered. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but but very much the area that I grew up in in Dublin nowadays is home to um, a rich Indian community. Um, and I, I, you know, I discussed this at work here with a, with a colleague who's from India. He was saying that, you know, he was looking at videos from around the world of um, celebrations of, I can't remember which festival it was, but it was, you know, a, a, an Indian festival. And he said he was really surprised to see how many Indian people are in, in Ireland. He was like, well, I'm shocked that my people are in, you know, in your home country. And I was like, yeah, no, actually in my, literally in the area I'm from in Dublin is where you have, there's this really big Indian community. But I think it is, yeah, I think it's very natural for, I don't know how we got onto this, I can't remember anymore, but I, but I do think it's very natural for people immigrating to a country to look for a sense of community before they, before they feel like they fit in. Yeah. There is a, there is a, there is a downside to that though, which is when it becomes such a community for one group of people that they... I'm not going to say force out because that's incorrect. I'm saying the diversity now is gone. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely problems. With I think that's why I never gravitated t- towards those kinds of communities. Yeah, is but, that, uh, you uh, know, I understand wanting to be with people who have your shared experience. So, you know, people who have come here from the same place, who grew up in the same place, whatever. But you shouldn't, like only interact with those people yeah. you need to you need to um integrate more that yeah i won't go into it now but there are a lot of small countries that have much smaller populations in new zealand where mm-hmm. literally their economy has been of the native people there have been absolutely decimated by i wouldn't say hostile immigration but i can't think of a better term and i've keyed that phrase if that is an actual phrase um isn't a phrase sorry um, of when you immigrate to a country because you know for a fact that you can exploit the fact that when you get there you will be able to buy a business owned by a um, local person and then fire all the local people and then hire your own people in right. and then literally destroy the entire economy of the uh, native people. And, you know, it happens, but it, it happened... Years ago, when people used to turn up with, um, you know, smallpox blankets and muskets, it wasn't it wasn't the same. Mm. You know, you can actually watch it happen now over a smaller amount of time because immigration is a lot more fast in these days. It's not like you have to spend six months on a boat and then twelve months on a uh, on a, on a uh, back of a uh, I was going to say horse drawn cart, but that's probably, no, that is right, isn't it? Yeah. To, you know, get across, you know, a, a large amount of space versus, mm. you know, flying in. Flying in's a little bit different. Yeah. Wings are on everything. Um, we're, we're running long at the moment. Do you want to go to trivia and then wrap up? Or do you have more to say about the films? No, I'm happy with that. I was going to say that ages ago, but we've gotten to... It's been <laughs> a ranty episode. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a ranty episode. It's because I think, I think being as Pride Month... Um, I think it's just, uh, it's um, not a, excluding anyone has been the most important part. And I think both these movies touched on it really well. Yeah. Because I, you, you can be as positive as you want about the community and different communities, um, regardless if it's based on your um, gender, sexuality, ethnicity, you know, country of origin. Um, it's 
celebrating and showing that mm-hmm. in a way that is a um, you know sort of a cultural point. Yeah. Especially with these movies. I think uh, in in our two episodes we've done so far of uh, queer films, we've managed to touch on the L, the G, the B, and the T. I think because yeah. uh, the last one had lesbians and bisexual women. Um, this one we've got gay men and uh, trans women. Uh, maybe we need to. I don't know. We go into other letters of the alphabet for for future episodes. Bring but, it on! But it depends on if there's films about them in the first place. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I think both these films, while being very positive films about the queer community, about the drag community, um, they also were very. Um, you know, they did touch on discrimination quite a bit and, uh, you know, how people experience that and how people internalize that, like I said. Um, the other thing is uh, discrimination within the drag community is a thing, um, which is still ongoing at the moment. I'm not, I'm not huge into, the, into drag stuff, so I don't know a lot about it, but I know bits and pieces. But, um, you know, definitely for a long time, and I think it's gotten much better nowadays, um, but it's really interesting to see it in this film, considering it came out in the early, or, you know, mid-90s. Um, there's a lot of discrimination against trans women who do drag, um, because as you see in Tu Wong Fu, very much the idea is, you know, you're a boy in a dress, or you're whatever, and you get to see some of that discrimination happen in Priscilla Queen of the Desert because uh, Adam, Guy Pierce's character, keeps calling Bernadette Ralph, which is her yeah. dead name. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just really, I, d- I don't know how, I don't know how to describe how negative it is to call someone, to call a trans person by their dead name. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, you can instigate real serious trauma with that. Um, and he's doing it purposely to rile her up and to upset her um and it's just really shouldn't be done but the fact of the matter is that her as a you know as a trans woman who does drag she will experience that that kind of discrimination on a regular basis especially at that time period um and that's probably part of why at the beginning she's not too happy that adam's going with them um so I, you know, she understandably is very upset when he when he calls her by her dead name. Look, the reality is about Guy Pearce's character Adam is um, he has a poop necklace, and that basically throws all of his opinions out the window. Yes, he does have a necklace with poop in it. Yeah, uh, we're not going to explain that any further. Watch yeah. the film. Yeah. Um. So trivia. Um. One of the ones I thought was fun was due to the heavy filming schedule uh, of Priscilla Queen of the Desert. A lot of filming was done while the entire crew was on the road, but because the bus is such a small set, um, there's no room for the crew. So in most of the scenes that you see of the bus, the crew are hiding in plain sight. They've got like clothes draped over them or things like that, or you know, they were like in the clothes rack or hiding under things. So the crew are in those scenes. Apparently there's scenes where you can see them. I didn't notice them though. Um, but I just thought that was really funny. They're just hiding under props. Um the what, what else did I say? Oh yeah, we've already touched on Broken Hill, the town that you know started doing its its drag parade afterwards. Um the director said he got the idea for the film because he saw a plume of feathers break from a drag queen's headdress during Sydney Mardi Gras parade and it tumbled down a deserted street like tumbleweed in a Sergio Leone Western. 
So we wanted to do a film about drag queens driving across the desert. <laughs> he essentially made a western, but with drag queens. I I think was his was his goal. So I thought that was fun. Um. So apparently Steven Spielberg was sent the script for Tu Wong Fu, uh, and he got he was on a flight with Robin Williams at the time. I assume related to Hook because I know they did that together around that time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so he was on, uh, on a flight with Robin Williams and he got Robin Williams to read the script to him and he said he was so mesmerised by um, John Williams... Or John Williams, sorry. Robin Williams. <laughs> John Williams' score. <laughs> yeah, by Robin Williams' cold reading of the script that he like really wanted to work on it. Um, so the, they already had a director signed on but she was nine months pregnant when she was signed to direct. So he said to her if she needed to leave the production, he would direct the film. Um, but connected to that, she gave birth to her child, whose name is Noah, uh, on the last night of filming. Wow. So he's credited in the, uh, in the crew credits as best baby, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought is cute. Um, and then the only other note that I took down from IMDb trivia, because a lot of it... Which seems to happen, and it's interesting because it's like every now and then we get these in in films, um, but not all the time. But a lot of them were just like these people were, you know, in talks to play these characters, or whatever. But the one that I took down was that um, Viggo Mortensen auditioned for the role of Vita Bohem, which is the Patrick Swayze character. Mm. And I just thought it would have been really funny if he got it, because then we would have been talking about an Aragorn drag film versus a. Uh, Elrond drag film. Yeah. Because <laughs> what was I joking about before? You were, you were asking me if I wanted to watch Sonic, and then you're like, Idris Elba, they should have got someone Australian to play Knuckles. And I was yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. Because he's an echidna. Yeah. They should have got an Australian to play Knuckles the echidna. And then my joke was having Hugo Weaving as Elrond playing Knuckles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I liked, I would have liked the Hugo Weaving as Knuckles. Just, um, just dob over it with uh, sound effects from Logan. From Logan. From Logan. Is Hugh Jackman. Oh, he's, Hugh Jackman. He's, he's Australian. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Hugo Weaving isn't in Logan. <laughs> Hugo Weaving is Red Skull. You're mixing them up. Um, yeah, it's interesting because like the I don't think Hugo Weaving was big at all at the time this was made, and apparently, because um, I think that was one of the trivia notes as well was that um, you know at the time it was considered kind of career suicide to play a gay man in a film. Um, Tell it to Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was later. I think Philadelphia was later in the 90s. Maybe 8, maybe 98. Yeah, it's not 98, 99 or something. But, um, yeah, it was, it was apparently considered career suicide to play a gay man in a film at that time. And uh, and yet Hugo Weaving, who plays Anthony... No. Nope. When was what? Philadelphia's 93. Oh, wow, I thought it was later for some reason. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, it wasn't career suicide for Tom Hanks at all. But, uh, yeah, Hugo Weaving went on to be in the Matrix trilogy and in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and in the Marvel MCU films and <laughs> whatever else. Uh, the film he did, I think, directly after Priscilla was one we've already talked about, Babe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really did not kill his career. He's been, he's had a, you know, multi-decade career since then and he's a pretty much a household name, I think, Hugo Weaving. The guy Pierce, on the other hand, sort of, he's been all over the place. He kind well, he's of, in the MCU as well. Yeah, he just reminds me a lot of Ethan Hawke. They do really good movies, 
but few and far between. But very few and far between, and I think it's more along the lines of like, oh, we can't afford a really good actor. Let's go get like so and so, and he'll do it. Um, you sure they're not doing the Ed Norton thing of picking and choosing what films they want to be in? Maybe. Because Ed Norton's good in pretty... Well, I haven't seen him as of recently, but I, he's good in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Um, oh, he did win an Oscar for his first performance. Did he win for Or was he nominated? He was definitely nominated for yeah. Primal uh, Fear. I don't know if he won for it. It was a fantastic performance, yeah. though. Um, but, uh, yeah, he very much picks and chooses the films he wants to be in. Anyway, we've, we've run on very long at this point. It's all right. So we will, we will end Celebrating an entire month. We're going to have long episodes. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next year with more <laughs> queer films. But in the meantime, we'll have... We have uh, I had no idea where you were going just yeah, then. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. In the meantime, we'll have, you know, 20-something other episodes. Um, 24. I'm trying to think, what do we have next? So this is episode 24, I believe, which means our n- next episode is one that we've pre-recorded. Uh, a couple of months in advance um, because it's a fun episode. You're trying to remember what it is. I don't I'm know. Not, you're, you're, I'm not going to say on I'm here. I'm just talented here, right? <laughs> um, I, and then I know movie good. The episode after that will be our second episode that is a uh, fan suggestion, a listener suggestion from our other, our joint number one fan, Floyd. Oh, it's like Strider? <laughs> He's our producer. No, my mom and Floyd are our joint number one fans. They're the people who tell us every week that they've listened to the podcast and what they thought of it. True. Sometimes as they're listening to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got a we've got a Floyd suggestion. It'll be the next one we're recording, but it'll be two episodes away. So. That's complicated, and I've already forgotten. That's all right. No one needs to Thank remember. Thank you for listening. <laughs> you can find us um, online if you um, listen to what Lisa has to say, because I can't remember them all. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ittakes2pod, underscore or Facebook at ittakes2pod, and our website is ittakes2.co.nz. It's not my fault. You're the one that made them. What? You're the you the one you you made them so that you for you remember them. Oh okay. Yeah. I just was I was I was just letting you go ahead with it because I was like oh he's gonna say it this time. <laughs> Never does. Um. All right. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>